bid you welcome on a, on a cold night, a rainy night, <coughs> and uh, there's been a lot of torrential rain today, so we're, we're glad that you made it out to the Thursday evening. We're going to begin with the hymn 512. We sang this at the missionary weekend, <coughs> and it's very, very appropriate for tonight. Give me the faith which can remove and sink the mountain to a plain. Give me the childlike praying love which longs to build thy house again. Thy love let it my heart with power and all my yearning soul devour.
over 26 years ago when I came to Ballymoney, this hymn was sung at the installation service. It's one of my favorite hymns and we've sung it many times since. Always filled with challenge as we think of the burden that we ought to have for those that are lost and perishing. And to be able to sing this and really mean it with all of our hearts, to love them with a zeal like thine, how far short we fall of the zeal of Christ. But may the Lord help us to aim towards it and to develop it in our lives. I'm going to pray together, seek the Lord. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as we come to your presence, we still our hearts before thee. We pray that you'll bring everything just now into subjection to the Lord and to this meeting, what is before us. Every thought, Lord, may it be centered upon thee and what we're about tonight in this prayer meeting. We pray for the cleansing of the Redeemer's blood, knowing that we cannot approach the Lord with sin in our lives. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And so we thank you for the remedy for our sin. And we come every day to the fountain filled with blood. And we say, Lord, wash us and we shall be clean. Purge us and we shall be whiter than snow. We thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And we are encouraged by the apostle to confess our sin, knowing that thou art a God faithful and just to forgive us for our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so from the beginning, we, we bring ourselves to the Lord. We bring ourselves before your holy presence. And we pray that you'll wash us and make us clean, fit us to be here. And then, Lord, as we've prayed, that our thoughts will be brought into subjection to your word tonight as we, we read a little bit, as we meditate a little bit before prayer. And then, Lord, as we come to seek thee, at the throne of heavenly grace. We do pray that even our prayers will be brought into subjection to your will, that you will lead us and direct us, put into our hearts the things to pray for. Lord, we're needy people in so many ways, and we pray that you'll look upon this, this body of your church, the, these people here tonight, look upon us in mercy and grace and in your favor. Be one of our number. Let us know that God is here in the midst of the gathering as he's promised to be in the very person of Christ by his spirit. And Lord, may our hearts be drawn out after thee. Give us a fresh love for Christ. When we have a fresh love for him, we'll want to be like him. We'll want, him to, want to have this zeal that he had, the compassion that we thought about last night as well. Oh God, let us be more like the Savior when it comes to our thoughts of the unconverted, the ungodly out there, especially those that we know and love in our families and friendship circles. Lord, help us to love them with a zeal like Christ and to win them to the Savior. Burden our hearts so much tonight and in the coming days. Make this a year of evangelism. Make it a year of reaching out to sinners. And Lord, may we see many of them brought in not just under the sound of the gospel and into the church, but more importantly, brought in unto Christ and wondrously and gloriously saved. Remember our absentees. Remember those that can't be with us, especially tonight because of sickness and trial, tribulation. We commit them in love into your care and keeping. We pray that they'll find your peace, 
overwhelming in their heart, that peace that passes all understanding for Jesus' sake. Amen. Just a few quick announcements. We've been saying every night, Monday to Friday, we're meeting here at 8 o'clock. It's the week of prayer and the new prayer list is being compiled. This is the last night that that will be done. If you have someone in your heart that you're concerned about, who's not saved, who's a backslider, who needs the Lord, and you want us to share that burden with you all year, what happens is you put their names on that list. You write clearly so we understand it. Might be a good tip. It's probably too late for those that have written already, but to, to, to write it in, in print. All right, print it out so that I can understand it. And uh, then we will give it out, God willing, tomorrow night. And we divide it into seven. So you have a section to pray for in the Lord's Day right through to Saturday. And we'll bring these folks to the Lord uh, as often as we can. We're thinking this week about the God who answers prayer. And of one verse that I want to read with you just now. It's found in Hebrews chapter 7 and it's verse 25. Hebrews 7 verse 25. Very well known text of scripture but as we often say with the familiar ones don't, don't let the familiarity take away from the burden that you ought to have when you read a text like this and when you hear the truth of it may it penetrate our hearts all the more wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them I have not so much been preaching these nights I've been leaving thoughts and that's what I want to do tonight I just just want to talk to you from my heart as we think particularly of those who need the Savior round about this time, those that are in our families and so forth. As we have been thinking about the God who answers prayer, we've been giving you a thought every night, Monday night, he is able to restrain the devil in his works of evil. We believe that with all of our hearts and we see the evidence of it in scripture and ever since. On Tuesday night, he is able to restore the sick to health and strength and we took much time to think about our sick ones and to pray for them and then last night we thought about he's able to raise up laborers for the harvest feed and we have this this duty there to pray because that's the remedy that's how the Lord detailed it when the laborers were few he says pray pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest Tonight, we have our fourth thought. He is able to redeem the lost, even the worst of sinners. As we come to this subject, I'm going to have a brief word of prayer again. And we're going to ask the Lord to stir our hearts. Heavenly Father, we're coming to this verse. We're coming to the thought tonight, how that our God is able to redeem the lost. No matter who they are, no matter what their background is, he's able to save to the uttermost. He's able to save even the worst of sinners, the chief of sinners. The great apostle called himself. 
we think of his past history of persecuting the church and lending his support to the death of Christians and arresting them and imprisoning them. And yet you stoop down and Saul of Tarsus found the Savior. And Lord, you're able to do this. We pray that as we have our short meditation, that you'll deepen our conviction, that you'll deepen our burden, that you'll open our eyes and give us the vision that we ought to have for those that are perishing in sin. Help me to bring the word. Help me just to speak from the heart. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the greatest burdens in our heart this week, and I suppose it's true to say at all times, is the fact that many are perishing without a savior in this world. They're doomed and they're dying. Out of Christ, without a savior. I fear that often our eyes are closed to the reality of lost souls. Our vision is drastically impaired. We do not see the way we should. We're like the blind man from Bethsaida that we read about in Mark chapter 8 when the Lord first touched him and asked him, do you see anything? Do you remember what his reply was? I see men as trees walking. The only difference as far as his sight at that moment was concerned between a man and a tree is one of them moved. And that's how he discerned the difference. There were men. The men are the ones that move. But, you know, men and trees, they, they just look alike in my vision. Our sight is not clear. It's dim. It's misty. We do not see the multitudes the way the Christ did. Oh, to see through the eyes of the Lord, that would be a tremendous thing. We fail to see them daily falling over the precipice of hell itself. We pass them by in our busy streets. We drive through our housing estates. We attend events and functions where the crowds are gathered together. But our our sight is vague and obscured. We acknowledge in our minds that souls are lost, they're perishing, they're doomed, and they're dying, but maybe that hasn't really reached the heart the way that it should. It hasn't driven us to our knees. It hasn't driven us to the prayer meetings. It hasn't driven us to their doors where we can talk to them, witness to them, plead with them. It hasn't affected our eyes. Saviour was the weeping saviour. When he looked over Jerusalem, not long before the cross, you remember how he lamented. Jesus wept. He shed real tears over the lost and the doomed and the dying, knowing the destruction that was coming to that place that would come in AD 70. Jesus wept. And so as we pray for souls to be saved, Perhaps we need to pray, first of all, Lord, give me a vision. Open my eyes. Help me to see the way that I ought to see. The hymn writer penned words that I'm sure he hoped would be used to stir the hearts of people who, who would read them or sing them regarding the lost and the perishing. 
It's a, it's a hymn that you probably don't know. Lord, give me a vision. Oh, help me to see. The needs all around me, souls dying without thee. Oh, make me a blessing as onward I go by telling the story that others may know. Lord, give me a vision of fields that are white. Souls that we must gather ere cometh the night. Dark shadows are gathering and some will be lost. Some neighbor or brother, how awful the cost. Lord, give me a vision lest I empty stand. There at the great judgment, no sheaves in my hand. No labor of love then to offer my king with nothing but leaves then the master to bring. Lord, give me a vision. Oh, help me to see. Some neighbor today, Lord, and bring him to thee, that on that glad morning some soul there may say, the prayers of God's children have shown me the way. May God be pleased to give us that kind of vision that burdens our hearts, that drives us to prayer, that thrusts us out into the harvest fields to be a witness for Christ. Because souls are drifting downward, precious souls for whom Christ died, and we need to rescue them. And I want you to know tonight, he is able to redeem the lost, even the worst of sinners. We're thinking this week about the God who answers prayer and and thus we must come to him and plead their cause. What did Paul do when he thought about the lost sheep of the house of Israel, his own people to start off with? He became, we know, the great missionary to the Gentile world, but he never forgot his own people. What did he do when he was given that burden in his heart from the Lord? We'll turn for a moment to Romans chapter 10. And this will tell us exactly what he did regarding the house of Israel. Writing here to the church at Rome, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. My heart's desire, and it's got to start there, That's why I'm saying we need to pray, Lord, give me that heart's desire. Give me that vision. And when we do have it and possess it in our hearts, then we begin to pray. Because he goes on to say, and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I think most of us are acquainted with the kind of burden that Paul had. He expressed it in the previous chapter, the opening verses of chapter 9. Never do I read these verses, but I'm challenged. I say the truth in Christ, Romans 9 and 1. I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So what he's about to say, he's saying it before God. He doesn't lie, not one bit. He's not exaggerating, because exaggeration is lying. He's not undervaluing the souls of men. He's just speaking exactly how he feels within his soul. And you know, God is his witness. He's calling the Holy Spirit to be his witness. And what does he say? Verse 2. That I have great heaviness 
and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ. For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And you see from that description, he's, he's talking about his fellow Jews. He's talking about Israel here. People that were related to him, his kinsmen. People that belonged to his flesh, his family. And of course, the wider, the wider scope as we think of, of the, the people of Israel. Heaviness. Not just now and again, as might be for most of us, but continual. Every day. The apostle felt that weight weighing heavily upon him. And he could wish himself a curse from Christ. What a statement. I've never got there. I've never approached unto that. Commentators might differ a little bit on what he actually meant. I could wish myself a curse. We know that to be a curse is to be separated forever. And if that's what Paul had in mind, and very likely it was, he says, I could wish myself separated forever from God and lost in hell if it only means that my family are saved and my people Israel are saved. That's the kind of burden he had every day, like a heavy weight upon his shoulders. And what did he do about this burden? He prayed about it, brought it to the Lord, as we see in chapter 10 and verse 1. As we pray, I want you to keep in mind the text that I've mentioned this evening. From Hebrews 9 and 25. He is able. To save them to the uttermost. That come unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Here is the power of Christ declared. It's a beautiful little statement. Just those three words. He is able. And that's a study all by itself. That little phrase. I uh, was just looking at, at it, preparing uh, for tonight. Second Chronicles 25 and 9. The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. We think of Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. God is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. That's how they felt. That's their confidence. God's able. Ephesians 3 and 20. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I read that verse and I'm always challenged because there's a lot of things that I ask and there's much more that I think. And here we're told he's able to do even more than what we pray about and what we think about in our minds. The power of God. Philippians 3, 21. He is able to subdue all things unto himself. 2 Timothy 1.12 He is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Jude verse 24 He is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Hebrews 2 and 18 He is able to succor them that are tempted. And then this marvelous text in Hebrews 9.25 He's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Who are you concerned about tonight? What dear soul is upon your mind? 
When you plead with God for the unconverted, know this in your soul as you plead. He is able to save them to the uttermost. Our God is able to save them. Do not doubt that. Not for one moment. He is able to save them to the uttermost. Why? Because he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He's praying at the right hand of the Father. He's pleading there. And so tonight I want our prayers and our cries to mingle with his. Cry with earnestness. Cry with desire. Cry with faith burning in your soul. Cry with brokenness and and tears. Cry with expectation and anticipation that he's going to answer your prayer. Be encouraged by those he has already saved. For it will help you to know that he's able to do the same today. You read the marvelous conversions of this book. Be encouraged by them. The religious Pharisee Nicodemus, an old man, he had lived out the majority of his days unconverted, even though he was religious, even though he was a leader of religion, even though in many ways outwardly he was a good man, a a practicer of religious activity. And we know all the things that the Pharisees did. And yet he lived all those decades without the Savior. But then came the day when he met Christ. Sought him out. And Jesus told him, you must be born again. Nicodemus got born again. He got converted. And if there are those out there, self-righteous, moral, respectable, upright, religious people, and yet in their heart they're far away from the Lord, they're not converted, the Lord is able to save them. You can think of the the immoral profligate from Sychar, the woman of Samaria, that we often refer to. There at Jacob's well, meeting Christ, him imparting the water of life to. We know the background that she came from. We know the men in her life. It was an immoral background. And out there in society, there are people, and they're worldly, and they are immoral, and they're far away from God, and they live for the flesh. The Lord is able to save them to the uttermost. What about the dishonest, thieving, publican, Zacchaeus, the wee man that climbed the tree to see Jesus had been stealing from his people, taking more from them than what the Romans demanded. And the Romans demanded a lot, and yet he was taking more so often, robbing his own people. No wonder they despised men like that. Yet the Lord saved him. His life was changed, and we see the evidence of that. He is able, the dying thief upon the cross. All the crimes that he had been guilty of. A man in prison, a man now dying for his crimes. And yet in the eleventh hour, Christ said to him, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And he was converted, soundly converted, and assured of his salvation, knew where he was going as he passed from the scene of time. Is there a man like that, a woman like that? Their life is filled with crime, dishonesty. They've been in prison. The Lord's able, able to save them. And what about 
the persecuting Saul of Tarsus that we've mentioned tonight. The man that writes this text of scripture called himself, as we pray, the chief of sinners. And we always say, if the chief of sinners was saved, well, then any man can be. He is able. And you want to be encouraged. You read these conversions in God's word and see what the Lord did then. He's able to do the same today. Think about those that we read about throughout the centuries of church history. Some of them are very noteworthy. You might think of John Newton, the African blasphemer, the wild life that he had lived, the immoral life that he had lived, but came to know the amazing grace of God that he went on to write about in his wonderful hymn. The Lord saved him. Think about those that you know that the Lord has saved. Think about people here tonight. Think about you. Well, some of you maybe come down the religious side, the, the pharisaical side of life, the Nicodemus side of life. Others, maybe it was more of a profligate's life, but you were far away from God and God saved you. And if he's done that for you, he can do it for any man or any woman or any young person. Think of the great conversions. Yet God reached down and saved these men and women plucked them as brands from the burning some of you were impossible cases we know that I'm sure over the years we wondered would you ever be saved would you ever come and yet you did and so as we pray tonight he is able to save them to the uttermost all that come unto him unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Perhaps no better hymn to sing than 247. It emphasizes the fact that he's able. It is the grandest theme through the ages rung. It is the grandest theme for a mortal tongue. It is the grandest theme that the world are sung. Our God is able to deliver thee. May we be blessed as we sing the three verses of this hymn tonight.
Tomorrow night we will, we will think about he's able to revive his people in the darkest days. We believe in revival. We asked you to pray about another family that wishes to come to Northern Ireland there. They're in Germany at the moment. They're from Ukraine. And this is the family, Valeri, Masha, and their baby. Plus a mother. There's a mother that will be with them, um, we're told. So we've been asked to pray. It says play there, but don't play. Pray. <laughs> pray that the Lord will provide a place for this young family to live in. And we were encouraged very, very much today. We think that a place has been found. If it's suitable, certainly the, the place will be very suitable. Just a little bit of a distance out of the town. And so we're pursuing that at the moment. And if you've been praying about this, we asked you earlier in the week to do that. God is answering prayer. And we're so glad about that. If you're listening in tonight on the internet, we, we come to our public time of prayer. And with that, we, we cut off the, the live broadcast. So we're saying goodnight to you and God bless you wherever you are.